It's the show Agent Orange slash Adolf Twitler would love to shut down. So here's the story, folks. I am the least black person that you've ever seen in your entire life. In fact, we did very well relative to racist people. It's the no bullshit zone. It's called fake news. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. I know who you are. Just wait. On the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Chicken Show, live from the city of Pugalani. Welcome to it. Boy, do we have a lot to cover today, including already evidence that there's hacking in the 2018 election. We'll talk a little bit about the situation with Saudi Arabia and, of course, Trump's rollback of certain people's rights. Who are those people? And how many of them are there? We'll get to that in just a sec. Before we do all of that, welcome to the show. My name, of course, Shaggy Jenkins. I am your host, also critical thinker, problem solver, guy just left of normal insane, but always centered in common sense and found on my website at shaggyjenkins.com or wherever fine social media is trolled, look for me at Shaggy Live. Okay, we have a lot to get into, so without wasting any time, Let's jump into our first story of the day because this one is kind of big and it is one of those ones that is kind of in danger of getting buried under more, well, dare I say, salacious headlines. Some of those headlines, of course, will be one of the ones that we're going to talk about in just a sec that the New York Times released on Friday. But first, let's get into that story about the whole... We've already found evidence of hacking or at least some social engineering happening around the 2018 midterms. Now, look, here's the thing. If you've been following the polls lately, you see that there's this big onslaught of the big blue wave, according to some polls. And then there is more polls that are showing kind of a red stoic we're not going anywhere kind of wave. The, the the kind that could leave us, at least according to people like Kamala Harris and, well, let's just be honest, a bunch of uh, more qualified political analysts, um, one of the things that we could end up with is with a single-seat Republican majority in the House if election results were to shake out uh, the way some things are indicating. Now, Here's the thing that's important about that. Polls are influenced by people's moods. And I don't know if you're kind of aware of this, but over the last little bit in this country, our mood has been manipulated more and more by social media. Now, on this show previously, we've talked, of course, with some of our correspondents and with me at length on the solo shows. We've talked about social media's impact on people's everyday life. Everything from, well, their health care. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. Uh, we talk about their mental health and how it impacts certain decisions that they make, both politically, socially, you you get the picture. Social media has started to permeate in everybody's life in bigger and bigger ways. Now, to that end, other people are aware of this. And some of those people that are aware of this are, dare I say, nefarious. Not too long ago. We had a very big, long, in-depth story about this company called 
the Internet Research Agency. Now, if that name sounds kind of familiar, you're probably vaguely remembering them from stories of about uh, 18 months ago. Uh, well, actually, right around the beginning of this year, they were very heavy in the news, but then they kind of, you know, once again got lost under the whole noise of, of the everyday chatter. Look, the Internet Research Agency played a vital and pivotal role to, to what Mueller and his team are investigating, which is, was there, in fact, an organized campaign waged through social media that was specifically geared to electioneer the 2016 presidential race? Now, when you talk about electioneering, that basically means gearing people's mood to vote any way you want. But when it came to the Internet Research Agency, they played, and not just in the U.S. You'll also remember that there's another kind of a big story that's happening across the pond. Ugh, that was a horrible accent, Shaggy. Uh, but across the pond in the United Kingdom, the Brexit, which is... Um, okay, look, as screwed up as we think his life is in the United States... I'm going to go ahead and say this. Thank God we're not going through a Brexit. Okay, but back to the whole thing in the U.S. When it came to the Internet Research Agency, their role in manipulating people's moods through social media by the information campaigns, or should I say disinformation campaigns, uh, propaganda, and of course... <sighs> anything that would stoke any sort of patriotic, emotional, or identity-fueled, got to throw up the air quotes there, identity-fueled political rivalry. Now, to that end, Mueller and his team for a while have been silently researching all of these factors, okay? And this is just about the 2016 election, but lo and behold, just a few weeks away from the 2018 election, there's already a complaint, a official complaint, which basically means charges have been filed against a Russian who allegedly worked on one of these propaganda campaigns. Now, here's the thing. The person, 44 years of age, lives in St. Petersburg, Russia, a named uh, Elena Kushinova is charged with conspiracy to defraud the United States for managing, well, the books on a bunch of social media troll operations. Now, these operations include the aforementioned and very nefariously known Internet Research Agency. And, come on. You remember the things that I told you about them, right? Okay, well, brief recap. The Internet Research Agency was responsible for making a psychographic model of the social media user. Oh my god, did I just throw a lot of babble your way? Okay, let me break this down for you. <clears throat> when it comes to analyzing how people behave vis-a-vis how we can motivate them to do different things that we want them to, 
advertisers, marketers, and people that are geared towards campaigning look at a couple of different models. Some of those models have to do with economic and, well, yeah, of course, economic, uh, how do I say this? Uh, well, let's just say economic race, and location. And those are called demographics, okay? So who you are, what you are, where you live, and how much you make. Now, this is only, dare I say, so big of a sample size when you're trying to figure out how to motivate somebody to do something. So, for instance, if I know that somebody is a white-collar worker, they may be Caucasian, uh, they make somewhere between $75,000 and $120,000 a year, and they live in maybe Columbus, Ohio. Okay, that tells me a little bit about them, but if I'm trying to figure out what motivates them to do things and, and, and what kind of stuff that, that they, they actually react to, those, those metrics mean nothing. So, enter in the company Internet Research Agency, who, who, who basically went on the research on the other side that marketers have looked into. Now, I knew these lessons from the 1990s and kind of, okay, dare I say, passed them off as, yeah, nobody will ever take that stuff seriously. It was actually taught to me in a radio class. Thank you, uh, University of North Carolina radios program, Gaston College specifically. Because, look, here's the thing. The second set of models that I can actually use, and this one's important, because unlike the other metrics that I just mentioned, your race, your income, your location, and stuff like that, the other metrics that I can look into uh, tells me about your feelings. Those feelings could go towards political things, theological things, it could go to economic things, racial things, you name it. It is basically the makeup of your mind or your psyche. And that's why it's called psychographics. Now, psychographics is the analysis of or <clears throat> the study of human emotions and thought behind action. In other words, so what if I know that you're somebody from Columbus, Ohio, that you're a white-collar worker, you're making between $75,000 and $120,000 a year, that doesn't tell me as much. But if I get some psychographics on you and I find out that you're maybe a little bit more liberal than conservative, then I'll know not to show you a lot of conservative products because you're not likely to buy them. And that's what it boils down to. Psychographics is the study of what motivates you to click, move, do something, or buy something. It's literally your mental makeup as it applies to how you react to the world around you. Now, here's the thing about that. It wasn't really a good refined science until the Internet Research Agency got its hands on a huge block of data. <clears throat> you, you know what that block of data was. It was yours. It's the data that they acquired 
through all of the activities that they did behind the 2016 campaign and, of course, mega social media giant science uh, site, I should say. Not too much science to this one. It's Facebook. The Internet Research Agency basically threw, oh, God, deceptive little games, polls, and things like that was, was able to amass a large amount of data about a large amount of people. And here's where it gets even scarier. They were able to do it for people that were not even on Facebook. They're called ghost profiles, and the Internet Research Agency figured out a way to study the people who aren't online through the people they know who are online. Yeah, isn't it funny that Rod Serling's not around to narrate all this? Okay, but getting back into this, this Elena uh, Kushovanova, Kushanova. Uh, she is the first person that's been charged with kind of manipulating things along those same lines in the 2016 election. I mean, the 2018 upcoming election. She was previously already doing this same kind of financial operation genius behind troll operations in the 2016 election. And now she's been charged for doing the exact same thing in the 2018 elections. But how and what is it that she's charged with doing? Because when you hear this long complaint and you read the whole thing, it sounds like blah, 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 blah. It's, it's Charlie Brown's parents. You, you, as a normal everyday consumer of news as somebody that, that has a job and kids and, uh, and other things to do than analyze all these big $10 words. <laughs> Stories like this kind of, well, they don't have as much meaning as they actually should. But this is one of those stories that you really need to carefully look at because it tells you something not only about the people involved behind these operations, but about you. Yeah, I'm talking to you specifically. Let's start off first with what it tells us about the others, okay? The others kind of have figured out that the United States, at its core, is an emotional country. We are emotions above logic. Let that sink in. Because I know what you're thinking. No, 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 Shaggy. The United States is is still, d d despite everything that we're seeing in the news, despite the the 3% of people uh, of this country that are just, you know, bat guano crazy and stuff. No, no, we're still a very rational country. We We think with logic, don't we? Really? Is that why we have fought against science ever since Trump was inaugurated? Is that why? Because I'm going to tell you, all the evidence kind of points to the contrary. So, knowing that the United States is a very emotional, reactionatory country, it's not that hard for others to manipulate those emotions. And that is exactly the kind of operations that Elena, 44, from St. Petersburg, Kushinova, that's her name. 
she's the one that, that, that is kind of financing these people. And now we have to flip to, okay, that's what they do. But what does that say about us? Because here's the thing. Without us having these emotions that we do, without us having <clears throat> very polarizing issues in our country right now, they wouldn't really have anything to manipulate. And when it comes to the polarizing issues that they have found, well, Elena was charged with inflaming passions. See, now I said we were an emotional country and, and automatically somewhere in the, con the, the charges against her, it's the words inflame passions. Yeah, that's, that's how this works. She basically just flames the fires or fans the fires until, oh my God, we're so angry at each other. We're not thinking about what we're angry at anymore. And we, we kind of gloss over all of these issues when we're in a polarized state that honestly need more of a communicative, cooperative, bipartisan approach. But here's the thing. Prosecutors on Friday unsealed this complaint that said this woman in, who was charged with inflaming passions online helped aid Russian efforts in order to stir, stir up controversy behind issues like immigration, gun control in the Second Amendment, the Confederate flag, race, relations, and, <coughs> here's an important one, LGBT issues. We'll get to that one in just a sec. The Women's March, the NFL National Anthem Debate, all of this stuff from about December 2016 all the way up till May 2018. So think about that. We kind of had suspicions that Russians were up to something in a widespread online campaign that they, they knew we would fall for because of our insatiable love of social media. Think about it. How long has it been since you've checked your account? Probably not that long. And they know that. And that says something about us. Because the things that we get inflamed about, we don't understand. How do I say this? We don't understand how getting riled up about those issues doesn't help those issues at all. Uh, take, for instance, getting mad over the Second Amendment and gun ownership rights. A lot of people make it a political issue with genuine, uh, genuine, genuine, Shaggy, you can't say that word. Uh, with usually <laughs> uh, Republicans and people on the conservative side of the spectrum favoring an open arms kind of free-for-all Second Amendment country and those on the more liberal side of the, the spectrum that says, okay, America, you can have your guns, but let's go through proper background checks. Let's have uh, proper psychiatric evaluations. And, oh, by the way, if somebody is psycho and is still undergoing treatment, 
they probably shouldn't own a gun. Instead of having those conversations that could actually lead us to a workable compromise between those two dynamics, campaigns that are run through places like the Internet Research Agency and these 40-something organizations that Elena was connected to between 2016 and 2018, what it boils down to is that we are played like puppets all the time just by getting riled up over these issues. Now, here's the thing about those, those postings. When it was first suspected that things were kind of wonky, you would think that social media would jump at the opportunity of being the savior and, and shutting things down. Well, it took all the way up until earlier this year before Facebook decided to shut down some 800 accounts. You know, suspected behind disinformation campaigns and things like that. Now, uh, that's all well and good, but keep in mind that one single individual, if they know how to work their scheduling software, and let's just be honest, I have a kid. She's 11. She probably knows more about social media than I do, especially when it comes to scheduling multiple posts across multiple platforms uh, from a single source. That's important because one person, it turns out, can hold thousands of accounts. And these dummy accounts can all be used to kind of manipulate the metrics of what's trending and what people are talking about. So knocking out 800 of them, when you think statistically about the ones that can exist and how many of them can be controlled by an individual, well, we've learned that social media really hasn't stepped up to the role of policing itself that they need to and that they promised, remember? Zuckerberg saying we will not allow these things to happen. Uh, he, he sounded kind of robotic, but I'm going to paraphrase here. He basically said that Facebook and its developers, even though faced with a bunch of challenges, were going to work very, very hard on cracking down on this whole political manipulation thing. Turns out they, they, they haven't done that. Not by a long shot. And now, with this new complaint going out, we see that already the 2018 elections are going to be one where, if you pay attention to everything on social media, you're about to see some very interesting stuff. Because it's around this time in the 2016 election that the disinformation campaigns kicked into overdrive. And that's the phase that we're at now. Okay, all well and good. However, there's certain signs to be able to tell if it's authentic or not. I'm going to give you some basics here because it seems when people are getting riled up in the issues that are, uh, well, discussed about through these troll operations, they forget the three words that honestly should come first. More so than know your source. I know what you're thinking. You're, you're probably thinking, oh, I, I thought that was the three words. Know your source. Come on now. It's social media. Nobody cares about the source. So what are the three words that could help you just 
automatically, when you glance at something, know that it possibly is a part of things that you're not really needing to give a lot of validity to. Check the grammar. It turns out that although Russians are very good at psychoanalytical data, knowing the whole makeup of what motivates you to do things and, and, and not do things, even though they're really good at that, turns out they're kind of shoddy when it comes to English. So, if you see a posting where it looks like it's trying to inflame something along a racial line, inflame something along a gun issue, inflame something along a civil rights issue, an LGBTQ issue, which those are very important, and we're going to talk about those in just a second. If you see those postings coming out, which is pictures and words, you know, kids call them memes. Check the grammar. Because a lot of times, and this is one of the things that we got shown in the 2016 disinformation campaign, the grammar from Russian trolls is horrid. It's absolutely horrendous. And when I say horrendous, I'm talking like any fourth grade literacy should be able to see it and go, hmm, you know, that doesn't look quite right. And that's the thing. We easily get caught up in the emotion of something before even checking if it kind of holds mustard that it's an authentic thought. Now, anybody can place a meme up there and inflame certain thoughts. Like, I could post a picture of Donald Trump right now pointing gun fingers at the camera and saying, some days you just got to be a big girl and put the big girl panties on. Would that incite a lot of emotion? Yes, it would. Would it have any validity on anything doing with outside of stirring up your emotions? No, it wouldn't. And that's something that Russian operatives know when it comes to their trolling campaigns and why Elena's conviction, or at least her indictment, is so important for you to understand. Because as the election hacking goes, so too could go the results. Coming up, we're going to talk about an issue that should be really loudly screamed about, but a lot of people are giving a passive meh. I'll tell you why in just a sec. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. Hi, I'm Scientific American podcast editor Steve Mursky, and here's a short piece from the October 2018 issue of the magazine in the section called Advances, Dispatches from the Frontiers of Science, Technology, and Medicine. The article is called Quick Hits, and it's a rundown of some science and technology stories from around the globe, compiled by editorial intern Maya Miller. From Mexico, a Mexico City-based social enterprise is providing computer programming training to teenagers deported from the U.S. The organization, Hola Code, 
is offering five-month software engineering boot camps in a bid to give the young deportees employable skills and ultimately boost the nation's technology sector. From Kenya, Nairobi, a city with some of the world's worst traffic, is planning to implement car-free Wednesdays and Saturdays in two of its most congested areas. Policymakers hope this will encourage public transportation use and reduce air pollution. From India, scientists wrote a letter to the Indian president to voice concerns over alleged political attacks on science. The letter criticized the government's decision to transfer a senior scientist to a less influential post after he complained about moves to privatize parts of the nation's central space agency. From Finland, about 10,000 years ago, humans lived in settlements in a part of southern Finland that is now under several meters of lake water, researchers have found. A team of archaeologists and marine experts dove deep into the lake to find what are now the earliest known signs of human habitation in the region. And from Mongolia, people were performing dentistry on horses on the vast grasslands of the Mongolian steppe roughly 3,000 years ago, according to a research team's findings. The study suggests nomads there were some of the first humans to use the animals for wide-scale transport, spurring the early beginnings of globalization. That was Quick Hits by Maya Miller. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Dig deeper. Remove the hype. Find the facts. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome back to it live from the city of Pukalani, if you've never heard of it. It's on a tiny island called Maui, which is a part of your 50th state of Hawaii which is actually an illegally occupied kingdom, but that goes without saying. Look, all I'm trying to say is, hi, welcome back to my show. I'm Shaggy Jenkins, the guy that kind of looks at stories from a weird uh, historical context and can be found from time to time on my website, shaggyjenkins.com, or wherever fine social media is trolled for my psychoanalytical data at Shaggy Live. Oh, and don't forget, if you really like listening to this show, please support us. We're on Patreon now. Just go there and search for The Shaggy Jenkins Show and yeah, help a brother out. Look, we got to talk about this story that's going to get buried very quickly as things heat up around the midterms. But this one is kind of a big, huge deal because it's actually part of a years-long campaign from conservatives to... reduce the LGBTQ community of the United States to second-class citizenry. Let me explain. On Friday, the New York Times released a, a story about how the White House was looking into restricting a person's sexual identity to a biological metric taken before or at the point of birth. 
Now, I, I know what you're thinking, but, but Shaggy, that sounds, that sounds logical for everything that I know. It's, it's a baby. It's born. And then when you look down, oh, there's its junk. That's what it is. Okay, I, I know that this is going to kind of, if you're one of those people that believes that, fly in the face of everything that you understand. But a lot of industrialized countries and more developed countries around the world have for decades already decided that that was some bogus BS stuff. And that sexual identity, especially when it comes to how a person identifies well, with their own body. Oh, and the things that they're attracted to do with their body, you know, whether or not they're straight or gay. That stuff really isn't determined at the point of birth. You can't just say, boom, there it is. You kind of have to wait until some hormones kick in and then all of a sudden, ah, traits become apparent. Now, this is very vital because that means that science has decided a long time ago, decades and decades ago, that sexual identity is not formed at birth. In other words, you can be born with a certain set of genitalia, but the rest of your body, including the chemicals that make up your brain and hormonal systems, are actually not tuned to the equipment you you got. It's like trying to drive a stick shift with your big toe. You could do it. Not easily. And it wouldn't make anybody happy. You included. But science from the rest of the world, and let's just face it, not too long ago in this country, kind of pointed out that sexual identity is something that honestly isn't so concrete as boy or girl, male or female. Uh, I know this is going to sound a lot weirder to certain conservative listeners of this show, but sexual identity, including the gender identity, is actually a fluid scale. Yeah, you can end up more on a spectrum towards a certain gender, but still not exactly have all of those... Ref okay, look, let's just put it this way. Gender is something that is known not to be as concrete as the Trump administration is trying to make it. How concrete are they trying to make it? Well, in drafts of a memo that had been, and kind of got released through the New York Times on Friday... It looks like the Trump administration is eyeballing plans to limit somebody's sexual identity, their gender identity, that is, to the moment of their birth. Once again, flying in the face of science known all around the world for decades. Decades. But it's kind of important to notice that a lot of people are like, okay, well, this just affects transgendered people. That's not really gay rights. Okay, look, I'm going to say something very troubling here. If you have a blasé attitude towards transgender rights in the United States, you might need to rethink your humanity. Because at the end of the day, people are people. 
And when it comes to transgendered people in the United States, they've already had to overcome so much just to get to where they are today, which is, at least in a lot of states, the ability to go back and have an ID made and a whole life as the gender identity that you actually identify as. And I know what you're thinking as, as a cisgendered person, and you probably don't know that term. Thank God there's the internet, because I am not going into that whole discussion. Look, as somebody that is just probably either pure homosexual or pure heterosexual, you don't understand what it's like to, to be either homosexual or heterosexual and your body not matching your, your brain. It's completely different. You can't put it into a term that, 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 that people that don't understand what it's like to be transgendered could understand. The way that you're wired, the way that you think, the way that you should function doesn't match the tools you were given. And not only is it very frustrating, it's also very depressing. And that's why when it comes to rights of the LGBTQ community in the United States, we talk a lot about the LGBs, but when it comes to the T's, nobody is really spilling the T on them, are they? And the thing that you need to understand is that for years and years and years in this country, if you were a transgendered person, not only were you not really afforded any sort of protections, like civil rights protections, but let's face it, when it came to getting health care for what is accepted around the world as an actual medical condition, you were met with one big brick wall and red tape barrier after the next. But things got a little bit better under the Obama administration for a short while. Protections were put into place. Things were allowed to progress forward for people, even in the United States Armed Services, to openly be able to identify as transgender or even intersex. That's a, another thing you should look up, asexual. There's people out there that just don't do anything. What I'm saying is that the whole world exist in ways that you really can't put into a checkbox yes or no. And that's exactly what Donald Trump is seeking to do and as such could isolate and roll back the civil rights protections for about a million and a half people across the United States. Now, on this show before, I know I've talked about, like, North Carolina, HAB 40 law. You know, I think that was it, HAB. Yeah, well, it was the bathroom law, okay? I, I talked about that, and, and we talked about how, look, I don't know how to tell you this, but for years <clears throat> and years and years and years in this country, transgender people have been using the bathroom of their choices despite your silly laws. <laughs> America. But... Getting back into the whole point of this, Donald Trump is seeking to eliminate those protections that I said came after decades of fighting for those rights. Now, you're probably thinking, oh, sh Shaggy, whatever. 
when it comes to transgendered people, they're, they're, they're the T. They're the LGBT, right? So they've been in it from the absolute beginning. Let me encourage you right now, if you do not understand how far the LGBTQ community has come, to look back at the history of the Stonewall Inn and how what they called transvestites back then did a whole lot of the muscle work, of organizing the march, of getting everybody together, of making the signs, of, of actually striving to put a public face on the gay community for civil rights. When you look back at, at transgendered people back then, what they called the, tran- the trannies. New York, so hip, right? The whole point of the matter is, is they were ostracized then and they've been ostracized even out of that community that we all, as cisgendered people, lump them into anyway. It's like being a... How do I say this? A niche within a niche. Transgendered people have not enjoyed a whole lot of warm and fuzzy love and support, even from the community, the LGBT community, that you would think would be on their side as somebody that is not LGBTQ. But it doesn't work like that. And with Donald Trump and his administration drafting up this whole thing about trying to lock somebody's sexual or gender identity at the point of birth. This could have damaging, damaging consequences, not just for their civil rights of the ones that are already out in the world that we know about, which, like I said, in this country is about a million four hundred thousand people, okay? It's about, yeah, 1.5 mil. Round it up. It's for every boy and girl that is transgender that is to come after this. Because if this is the law that we set down now, this is the thing that they found in other countries, we are setting ourselves up for a massive wave of depression-linked suicides from the transgendered community that we have not seen in decades. Let that sink in, because it goes more than just the civil rights that we're taking away from the one that is alive now. It's the one that's born tomorrow in this bold new world that they're creating that will forever, because of something that a doctor saw when they were born, be locked into that identity forever. And that's something that's very scary to a country that should be more, well, scientifically aware. And plus, like I said, transgendered people have never really even enjoyed the support or understanding of people even within the LGBT or yeah, Q community. It's something that they've had to work hard about educating the public at large. One, it's a real condition. 
oh my god, it's real, to there is actually science and medicine behind it. Oh, and three, it's okay. Nothing can possibly harm you if somebody decides that their body doesn't match their well their their inner equipment their brain their hormones their whole makeup and if you think it's wrong or embarrassing to go out into society wearing the wrong clothes or a bad outfit imagine wearing the wrong genitalia for years it would drive you mad and after a while with very little civil rights, very little access to medical care, very little compassion or understanding from a Trump-Pence-led initiative, which, by the way, is kind of a manifestation of years and years of Republicans trying to take away from the LGBTQ community. They're just starting with the transvestites. They're just starting with the transgenders. And trust me, a lot of terms that you've never heard before. Remember how I just threw out the transvestite term? It's not really a thing, by the way. That word was kind of meaningless about 20 years ago. You'll hear it again. But old is new. And once new is old again. And when it comes to this, this drafting of locking somebody's sexual identity down, the consequences are very dire, and we need to consider very carefully if this is the type of direction that you wanted to take. It doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you are. This does not have to do with your politics. This has to do with human rights. Because hearing about this, the Human Rights League basically started sending out message after message, tweet after tweet, begging the United States, don't do this because it's wrong. And they're right. It's a human rights violation. And we're about to do it under the guise of just making things easier to understand for well, let's face it, stodgy old white people that probably wouldn't get it anyway. We have one more story to cover, and this one is kind of sad, because last week on the show we had talked about the Saudis and the disappearance of one Washington Post reporter by the name of Jamal Khashoggi. Now, around October 2nd, Khashoggi had went into a consulate to pick up what he thought was divorce papers. He has not been seen since that date. And this raised alarm bells with a bunch of people around the world, except our president, actually. I'll get to that in just a sec. Okay, here's the things that we know. Okay, the, 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 the Turkish government basically said, hey, one of our guys went into your consulate. He's missing. We want to investigate. The Saudis kind of stonewalled for a while. That's all escalated into this dramatic release from the Turkish government saying, we have audio proof of you killing and torturing, well, torturing, then killing, Khashoggi. And, and, and we're going to 
find evidence that you did this. And they went to the Saudi consulate and investigated. And guess what they found? A room that had been so forensically cleaned and repainted that it was almost suspect that the room was that clean. Uh, They had also found travel records from about 15 different people that had came in from Saudi Arabia to Turkey, hung out in the dead of night, one of them carrying a bone saw, and then immediately departed on a plane back to Riyadh. These people were linked to a very influential Saudi prince by the name of MSB, uh, uh, Muhammad, oh, I'm sorry, MBS, Muhammad bin Salman. He has been kind of trying to uh, revolutionize the whole Saudi image. If you're a wrestling fan, the WWE was in the Saudi Arabia kingdom because of MBS. And yes, he prefers to be called MBS. It's, it's kind of like a, I don't know, a wannabe gangster thing. But getting back to the whole point of this, <clears throat> MBS had some legitimate beef against Khashoggi, who, in certain journalistic writings, some of those published through the Washington Post, had warned the Saudi people of the type of political climate they were entering. Because you remember that whole thing that I mentioned earlier about the WWE? Yeah, you probably got mental images of an oiled-up John Cena or... Or some of the WWE divas, is that what they're still called? Yeah, about that. No women were actually allowed, except for, you know, specially <clears throat> sanctioned ones, were allowed to go to Saudi Arabia because of their restrictive view of females. So the WWE, that thing that I just immense, the big rumble down in the, 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 the kingdom, that was, well... Followed up by a couple weeks later of the exact hotel they were in being turned in to a makeshift prison for a bunch of MBS's political rivals. And we're talking bunches and bunches of them. A bunch of people that, that basically had said, oh, this, this young prince who's courting all of these investors, including the United States, which... That leads us to our response in just a sec. However, they said this MBS guy, Mohammed bin Salman, they, they said that he is, you know, just an upstart, a brat. Ugh. Despotic, in a way. And for that, he locked them up in a hotel and extorted them for a lot of money, millions upon millions. And, of course, some of them went missing. You, you're starting to see the pattern here. He's not really the nicest of guys. So when it comes to Khashoggi's disappearance and the link to MBS, of course the Saudi crown does everything in his power to disavow these these actions being connected to MBS. The king coming out and basically reasserting himself over the prince and saying, no, 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 this was a rogue operation. And then there's our president which is disheartening as an American because, once again, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, 
it would really feel good if your president defended the ideals of your country. And one of the ideals that we've had in this country is that journalism should be something that is exercised freely and, of course, not impeded upon by, I don't know, death threats or any other thing that we might throw at journalists. And, oh, by the way, freedom of speech being indelible to a free and open society, we... We basically, since Theodore Roosevelt and the walk softly and carry a big stick policy, we've defended free speech outside of our borders. So it seems a little weird that when asked for a reaction to the potential link between the Saudi prince and the murder of a Washington Post journalist, Donald Trump started to equate the life of one man, the principles of an entire country, to how much money the Saudi prince and the Saudi empire was about to spend with us. No standing up and defending the the, the, the whole free speech ideal that, once again, has been the norm in the United States since the time of Theodore Roosevelt. No, no, none of that. No, no, basically, uh, lives are sacred, and we don't think that the Saudi Empire should be allowed to kill another country's private citizen, once again, outside of their borders. None of that. No, just, well, you know, they, they, they spend about $100 million. They, they're creating hundreds of jobs outside. Just completely backpedaling. And this is where it gets scary, because... We should have known this was going to happen. I know what you're thinking, but Shaggy, this is the first kind of real bubbling of the news of the Saudi uh, prince and Donald Trump. And no, it's not. They've had a lot of real estate dealings in the past. But no, Donald Trump is also forgiving of another government that outside of their indigenous borders poisons people, pushes people out of windows, blows up school buses that does activities, and then, when they're caught, this is the most asinine thing, basically says, well, maybe you should not move to these countries where all of these deaths are happening. I am talking, of course, about Russia. And Russia, and the way that they have gone after dissidents outside of their borders, not too long ago, in the UK, with Skripali and his daughter, But that's just it. Donald Trump turned a blind eye to that. He basically undermined undermined his own intelligence, entire intelligence community, by the way, not just one or two branches, the entire intelligence community, and said, nah, there's no way these guys can be behind it with Russia. What makes you think that Saudi Arabia would be any different? And this story is probably going to be one of those ones that's going to have some major impact going forward. Because despite the results of the midterm elections, Mike Pompeo has already been called weak on the issue. 
And Donald Trump's response basically went to him equating this man's life to how many jobs a military contract was going to create. In other words, it ain't looking too good. So despite if you're going to vote, if you've already voted, which direction you vote, coming up very soon, this country is going to have on a world stage a coming to Jesus kind of moment where, dare I say, our relationships with governments like the Russian government and the Saudi government are, are going to be drawn up in some very questionable lights, not just here, but on the world stage as well. Hey, thanks for joining me. Till next time, though, try to stay safe. And, oh, check out the website, shaggychinkins.com. Love you, mean it. Get in, bye.